Welcome to Chicago's Radical Kinship Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Kelly, broadcasting from Old St. Patch Church in Chicago's West Loop, where we listen to the needs of those on the margins to savor our communities and to transform us beyond what divides us. In this episode, OSP Zone, Kayla Jackson and I sit down with Nathaniel Vietz Van Leer, the program director for My Black, My Hood, My City to engage in a dialogue about how the organization has met the challenges of the pandemic to take care of people no matter what. My Black, My Hood, My City provides underprivileged youth with an awareness of the world and opportunities beyond their neighborhood by exercising M3's core values of interconnectivity, empathy, hope, and civic responsibility. We are now joined by Nathaniel Vietz Van Leer. Welcome to the Radical Kinship Podcast. Pleasure to be here. And of course, we're always joined by the wonderful Kayla Jackson uh, on this dialogue. So, Nathaniel, if you could just give our listeners just a brief uh, background about uh, M3, My Black, My Hood, My City. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I work with My Black, My Hood, My City. Uh, it's a new organization, but you wouldn't really know it with how much we've kind of been popping off recently. It's been a real exciting time to be a part of the organization. Um, it basically began about five years ago with our founder, Jamal Cole. He was uh, volunteering in youth prisons, and he started noticing some, uh, some similarities with a lot of the young folks he was talking with. Um, he noticed a lot of young men would rep their block hard, talk about all the people they knew, talk about how much they dominated that space. But when he asked any questions about their greater neighborhood, they'd have less to say. And then when he asked them questions about skyscrapers, the lake, you know, being downtown, folks had even less to say. In fact, he saw a huge pattern with all these young men that none of them had been outside of their neighborhood. They had, you know, been born in the neighborhood. They had got caught up in the street um, trying to make some money. And then they eventually ended up in prison. And now their lives were altered forever. So Jamal had the idea that perhaps if we expose these young people to new opportunities earlier on, if we show them other avenues of being, other vocations, other cultures, other cuisines, perhaps these folks would have a different path. And so we started our Explorers program just way back then with just him in a van, a couple young people driving downtown, and folks would see uh, the hoodie, the My Block, My Hood, My City hoodie that he wore. And of course, he'd be giving out that kind of his uh, hoodies to other folks, and especially the young people. And they began to associate the two together. So he's like, you know, let's make this a thing. So it was kind of the start of the My Block, My Hood, My City Explorers program. And since then, we branched off to do tons of other things. That's great. The, the hoodie is definitely everywhere. Uh, I think I'm going to be picking one of those up uh, for Christmas this year. But like, and he's always when every time you speak on TV or not, and you like you said, have a great social media present too of just highlighting all the different works that uh, M3 has been doing. But uh, so could you maybe go a little bit more? Well, you said Jamal started out with just him in a van doing this youth explorer program, and now they have you, the uh, manager of youth development. Um, at M3. So can you explain a little bit more like what's involved and in, uh, what goes on, what different activities young people in the community can, can partake in? Yeah, I mean, think of one man and maybe five youth five years ago. Now we have 180 young people, eight different neighborhoods, 10 different school programs around the city. They're almost all on the south and west side, uh, working with divested communities that our young folks belong to. We're not really focusing on the straight A students who have scholarships and plenty of backgrounds in their lives that allow them to be successful. We're focusing on young people who might be on the divide, who might be potentially about to drop out of school, uh, and also who have a lack of, of access to opportunities. A lot of the schools we work with are the first to cut 
arts uh, classes are the first to cut extracurriculars just because they're the level of schools where CPS mandates that they get their grades up or else. And so schools are forced to focus on those things. Uh, so we're trying to fill that gap in the way of it. Our Explorers program uh, takes young people on really what it is educational field trips in the city. We call them explorations because one, it sounds cooler. Um, <laughs> and two, we're not just necessarily visiting museums. We're not necessarily visiting the standard places. We're just as likely to take a young explorer to Google as we are to uh, ice skating rinks uh, or to an Ethiopian restaurant and try that for the first time. Uh, the idea is exposure, which means just something different outside of your typical experience. Um, our young people live in food deserts most of the time as well, which means a limited access to groceries. You have to go miles upon miles to get to the nearest grocery store. So you're going to settle for snacks. You're going to settle for things that aren't necessarily nutritionally good for you. And you're going to basically focus on, let's say, like pizza, fried chicken, McDonald's as really your operations in terms of typical eating. So we're trying to also introduce them to new foods, allow them to learn how to cook, um, allow them to embrace new cultures and new cuisines in new ways. And it's an amazing program because it's free. On top of the fact that we, it's a door-to-door -door service. So we'll pick you up at the school. We'll go have this experience. We make sure you're fed. Then we go back to the school, and then we will proceed to drop each and every one of our young people off at their homes at the end of the night. So completely awesome. secure and safe. That's fantastic. So now the organization, it, it covers, you said, multiple community, multiple neighborhoods across around the city. Is it, have you seen, as you're bringing youth from different neighborhoods, different blocks even together, have you seen... Um, more community being built among, among the youth? Are they you know, engaging with another? Is it, is it break down divides in certain ways? Well, I feel like the mission of my block, my hood, my city is to help people no matter what. And, and in a segregated city, that means really bridging that divide. That's one of those first things that we do with all of our events, be it our Explorers program, having young people from different neighborhoods work together, be together, learn together, uh, or be our youth-led tours program, which has young people give tours of their own community to guests who are outside of it. So our North Lawndale tours, for example, have been operating for three years. Folks can buy tickets on our website and then they can attend a tour with a young person who is talking about what they love about their community. It's so easy to talk about a, a community's deficits, especially on the South and West side. We're trying to reframe those narratives and take pride in community. Uh, and that happens all around the city with adults as well in different ways. You know, we really segment ourselves surrounded by people who are just like us and we don't really accept our neighbors who might look and speak differently and we uh, ostracize folks that way as well. Uh, fantastic. And that uh, brings up a good point, too. Uh, another part of N3 is the Hit the Hood initiative, where it's you're revamping uh, old neighborhood street signs, uh, introduction into the, into the neighborhood. And uh, one of the things that Jamal had pointed out was how there's, there's a list of things that don't happen. You know, there's no trespassing. There's no lo loitering. There's, you know, none of these things where it's, it's a list of restrictions. But now you're flipping that script to make it a, a way of inclusion and to bring people in. And have, have you seen kind of more of that empathic and community building? Have you seen like the, the growth of that? Um, I think going back to like the younger, the younger generation of, of, of kids kind of embracing that um, just w within their own little communities and, and along with each other. Yeah, I mean, the Hit the Hood initiative plus our One Block at a Time initiative kind of try to hit two sides of the coin in terms of community needs. So, uh, for example, our One Block at a Time program has block clubs, which existed in Chicago for a very long time. They plan out what they organize, folks. They, they plan out what they want, they want to see in their community. And then My Block, My Hood, My City provides volunteers to help meet that need, which is different than a lot of other volunteer organizations that just kind of helicopter in and go, ah, you guys need a new sign, you need a new school. We'll, we'll do that for you without actually asking the community what you want. 
Uh, and our Hit the Hood initiative also tries to address a lot of the violence that happens, especially on those big weekends in the city, Fourth of July, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend. Violence skyrockets, mostly because people are just feeling restless and it's hot outside. So we provide, uh, we provide funded events and large organized activities where folks can get involved in the community in positive ways, be it from volunteering to, yeah, putting up new signs, which are pro, pro-community, positive engagement, or really just feeding a ton of people. Like we had a huge fish fry uh, earlier this year, too, and that was delicious and a great, a lot of smiles on what was typically a violent weekend. Wow, really sorry to miss that one. Uh, okay. No, that's, that's great. Um, how about uh, rebuilding community relief? So there's been a big, with this past summer in Chicago, between the start of COVID in March and the murder of George Floyd, our communities all across the city has, has taken a big hit. How has the organization total kind of operated beforehand and then after the, pan, well, after the onset of the pandemic and the rioting in, uh, that took place over the summer? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's been a tough summer. You know, yeah. I, I know some folks are, are more idle than ever. I cannot say that about my block, my head, my city. We've been hustling mm-hmm. and doing a lot of work. Um, a lot of what we do, which I think we always try to push as a model for other organizations, is we move before the money, right? So we'll just act. And so for COVID-19, when we like, you know, the shutdown started to happen, we launched our senior viral response program. So that was getting emergency groceries, emergency PPE supply kits to seniors in need around the city. Uh, we put a call out and we said, you know, who, who needs support? Sign up on our website. And within days, we had 2,700 seniors sign up for support, wow. which is a huge ask. And also know that this time last, this time at that point, we had about seven staff to meet <laughs> the needs of 2,700 seniors, not only them, but also all the other programs we run. And so we just started organizing volunteer events. We started getting the community involved. And what we saw was amazing. We saw hundreds of people come out willing to deliver supplies to seniors, willing to uh, donate towards that cause. Uh, and as the senior list continued to rise, so did the volunteers willing to meet that need. Um, we simultaneously also started our sen- Youth Senior Connect program, which was a paid program that allowed young people to call seniors in need, do wellness check-ins, and also help coordinate those, uh, those needs with uh, our volunteer efforts. And so we employed about 80 young people this summer to do that as their job. They're trained by Rush uh, Medical Hospital to do wellness check-ins, as well as a couple other partners. Uh, and we help meet the needs of young people to get involved in a virtual safe way and also get employed and also meet this huge need for seniors. We had over 8,000 calls made this summer uh, and we had thousands of supplies uh, shipped out as well. That's fantastic. And now that we're kind of bracing for perhaps the second wave of this and going into the winter months now, are you prepared or what's M3 doing now to kind of meet those needs or well, ongoing needs at, at this point? Are you, what, what are some of your next steps? I mean, our assumption this year has been nothing will be the same two weeks from now, right? So again, just us being able to react quickly is key. What we've always seen is if, you, if, we, if we react and show the community that we have reacted, the donations, the support will come later. And we really have been operating on that. And Chicago has been responding well with that. So I know we're going to adapt in a lot of different ways for uh, the next couple months. I know our Explorers program is going to slowly shift to a virtual landscape instead of um, just the physical explorations. I know our Be a Part of the Light campaign is still going to be a great way to get involved for folks in small groups. And how that works is uh, that also started a few years ago. Uh, We just noticed that Millennium, you know, Millennium Park, Michigan Avenue, all those places downtown are beautifully lit up. North side areas are beautifully lit up during the winter, but the south side is overall ignored. 
And so what we decided to do is start lighting up MLK Drive. A few years back, we uh, bought out all the lights in Home Depots all around the South Side, <laughs> and we're just trying to string them up with a collection of volunteers. We spent about $37,000 on that initiative, <laughs> which again, this organization, especially three years ago, did not have that kind of money. Uh, and then Jamal spoke about it the next day, showed what we were doing in the community, and we raised $48,000 in that day alone. So um, since then, that, that program has been a real popular one every year. And so now we're not only lighting a couple blocks of uh, MLK Drive, we are lighting all of MLK Drive, in addition to smaller uh, communities where elderly folks would like their houses lit up for free. And we're engaging youth and uh, outside volunteers to make that happen. Fantastic. When will that start? Is that an after Thanksgiving? Uh yeah, it hits hard in December, pretty much every day, but every Saturday, especially, we have uh, rotating parks that we will gather small groups at. They'll come and they'll pick up a bucket of supplies with an address on it, and then they will begin that work. Wonderful. And how about uh, small businesses? I know we can't touch on this already, but just in and around the city, is there any work relief that M3 is doing there as well? Yeah, our small business relief program was also a fun initiative we had this year, you know? So we had, so we had a couple rallies uh, to talk about the George Floyd murder, to talk about the need for change in these communities, the need to stop uh, police violence against black and brown bodies. Uh, and on the other end of it, we also understood that the riots that were caused from people's legitimate anger about that uh, has damaged a lot of small businesses, especially on the south and west side. You know, the loop is going to be repaired, right? Those spaces are going to be funded for, but these other spaces not. So we also started a relief fund for that. Uh, that was one of our most exciting couple days. We raised a million dollars in 48 hours for that program. Uh, those small business grants are now being uh, given to small businesses. Those repairs are being done. And we're also doing volunteer coordinated work along repairing these spaces as well. Um, so great time to be a Chicagoan and see people really rise to the occasion when asked to. Fantastic. So what are some needs and um, help that you see going forward that M3 would need? Uh, I, think, I think it's about being creative. We're gonna continue to be creative in what we ask for and, and what the community requests. You know, a lockdown uh, that does keep some people safe. It doesn't keep everyone safe in other ways, though, right? I mean, not all of us have the luxury of being able to sit behind a laptop and engage virtually in a job. A lot of folks, especially in the south and west side, especially with multiple kids in the household, are going to need to provide for their family in some way or another. And so these, these folks will continue to need to be supported while they do these things, while we're uh, limiting, in fact, access to resources that people need. No, that's great. That's one of the inspiring things about your organization. It's just, it's really taking those small steps. So like, what can we do as a community to come together? I, th I think uh, I saw online, Jamal posted, it was right, right after the election. And, you know, as most of America was up watching who was going to win, he said something that was like, you know, the, the lot across the street still going to, the have trash is going to be picked up. The, the local school council is still going to need members to get involved. So it's really just this grassroots kind of, change that you're making at such a small impactful level and just to watch kind of that ripple effect as it has across the city has been phenomenal which uh, is kind of the uh, Jamal just released a book uh, what's something simple I can do that will have a positive impact on my block which is now available so excited to uh, pick up a copy of that as well but where can people go to get more involved and learn more about uh, what you guys are doing I mean I, I think Jamal's phrase what's something simple I can do to have a positive impact on my block. I, th I think that's really key to all of what we do. I think people look at some of the work we do and think we're like performing miracles, but you, you just look at the, you just look at the history. Yeah. We light up MLK drive because Jamal was like, Oh, I want to start lighting up homes for the elderly. 
We started distributing supplies for seniors because Jamal's like, let's get some volunteers together and make this happen. We started our explorers program because he's like, let's take a couple people on a field trip. These were all just simple ideas. These aren't huge things, but with the right effort, with the right staffing, with the right support, especially from the community, we can make any of these happen, but we're not special on that. We just are the first to do it. Any, anybody could make these simple effects on their community. And then if you show it in the right way, you're going to galvanize support around you and you're going to have a revolutionary effect. So we, we, as my black mother in my city, we would like to not exist in the future, right? We'd like everybody be helping out each other so much that you don't need a nonprofit like us to charge the way. So we're ready to see that change in the city and we think it can happen. Beautiful. You're being that change you want to see. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, so your website, if uh, people want to learn more, they can go to www.formyblock.org um, and get in touch with you and your, your great staff there. Kayla, anything else wanted to add? Um, I just want to say that uh, I'm so very energized uh, by the work that you all are doing, but then also that sense that it's people-centered, right? It starts with, with community and, and where we are. Um, and that sense that folks aren't sitting around and twiddling their thumbs and waiting for something to happen. You see a need, you see a gap, you see that your brother, your sister is hurting and you act and you move, right? Um, and I love the idea, that sense that one day, we won't have to exist, right? We, we, won't, we won't need these organizations because we will return to the truth that we belong to one another and that we take care of one another. Um, and again, like you say, you all are lighting the way. Um, and so, so very encouraged and so very grateful to, to have uh, you here with us to share your testimony and your great work and to, you know, fire up folks to, to begin to to, to join in and do a little bit of the same. So thanks again. Appreciate that. Well, thank you very much, Nathaniel. Uh, we look forward to many great things to come and hope to hear from you again. Excellent. Thanks so much, y'all. We now turn to discuss how you can take action and participate in the first annual Light Up Lawndale event to light up North Lawndale with joy this holiday season. Volunteers will be stringing donated Unity holiday lights along Douglas Boulevard from Independence to Sacramento. Kayla and I are joined with the originator and architect of Light Up Lawndale, Princess Shaw. Also, founder and pastor of Proceeding World Church in North Lawndale, Pastor Washrona M. Fitzpatrick, and Andrea Lee, manager of external affairs of Yukon who is interested in connecting people from different backgrounds through service. All right, we are joined now by, with Andrea Lee, Princess Shaw, and Pastor Rishrona, and we're gonna talk about the first annual Light Up Lawndale. Princess Shaw, could you give us an explanation? This is your brainchild. Could you tell us more about the event? Sure. Thank you guys for having us. First and foremost, we greatly appreciate you guys for having us. And I'm going to say the first um, thing I want to say is just kind of like pay homage um, to the 3300 block of West Flournoy. Um, I feel like this is where I actually got this idea from. Every year around Christmas time, maybe a week beforehand, the 3300 block of West Flournoy would have a whole block where all the actual neighbors came out and they participated and they put up Christmas lights over their house. I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And like, even as a kid, I remember seeing that and knowing that Christmas was right around the corner and that 
it was good times to come. And then before, after, not too long after that, then, you know, the new year was coming in. So I'm like, hey, how do we go ahead and move this to a bigger scale? How do we make this like large scale? So I'm like, okay, let's make sure that we sit here and we try to um, find an area that would kind of mimic like Lincoln Park Zoo or Brookfield Zoo and kind of be like a light show for us in the neighborhoods versus us always having to go out of the neighborhood to see something beautiful. I wanted to be able to see something beautiful in our neighborhood. And I know Douglas Park has a whole bunch of different lovely events that we have, the Chicago Musical Fest, um, festival we also have the riot fest that goes on there so i'm like what else better to do but put some christmas lights up um and it was just an effort in order to try to unify the community and what i mean by unify the community is that making sure that people have um a sense of ownership in this um so this is very community-based community community driven and we want to make sure that everyone has a part in it and it's all hands on deck um so that's pretty much where the background comes from this so i feel like even now with the COVID 19 happening this is even more of a a dire need because you know people have to stay inside all the time now so now what better way than to look out have to stay in the house all the time but you can look out your front door and see lovely lights up and down the boulevard and then there's actually a little parkway that you can walk through there so you know walk through the lights and you know just have a nice little time walking your dog walking the kids letting them play freely and then you know just enjoy the neighborhood that they live in well, that sounds wonderful. I, you know, I, I like that idea of still being able to be together, signs that we're still together, even though we have to be separate right now. So that, that's wonderful. So how long have you had this idea of, of decorating up North Lawndale? And also, could you explain which streets and what areas will uh, be decorated? Sure. So I've been having this idea now for about three years. Um, so it's always been like, OK, well, we got to put it off this year because something else was going on or I had other events that were going on, like state to state basketball games, those type of things. So I'm like, OK, last year I was like, this year is going to be the year I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to plan this out. And so that's what came about of it. Um, so we're going to actually be doing Douglas Boulevard, um, which is going to be 1400 South. And it's going to be from Sacramento Boulevard all the way back to Independence Boulevard. And that's where it's a little stretch there that's about 15 blocks and it comes to encompass so many different um, apartment buildings of that nature along this that whole little route. Oh, that's great. It's quite the area. And Andrea, what uh, what are you looking forward to to get out of uh, this event? So with this event, I, I see a great opportunity for people from all around the city to come out and enjoy North Lawndale and get introduced to North Lawndale if they haven't already visited. Um, Douglas Boulevard is, you know, it's historic and it's also like wide and lush and, um, you know, to have the lights up is going to be um, really a fun spectacle. Um, and, you know, like, I feel like people will be able to see um, the, the cool architecture that's down there and get to meet people who, who live in North Lawndale. And it's just a, a nice um, way for people to come together. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it. That's fantastic. And how long is the event going to go for? How long of, uh, uh, are the lights going to be up? So we're we're starting the decorations right after Thanksgiving, which is you know typically like the turning point for for holiday decorating, and and we are gonna um, keep um, keep adding to to the display um, until about the the let's see until the nineteenth of, of December, and then that's kind of 
um, like our, you know, celebration event. And it's, it's going to be more of a, of a drive along celebration rather than a gathering celebration. But um, yeah, and then we'll keep it up through the new year and then um, take it down in um, maybe like the, the second week of January. Well, and Pastor Roshrana, how do you think the neighborhood's going to respond? How do you think people are going to feel, especially now being sheltered in place for so long? I, they're going to feel special. Um, I don't know if you heard me, but I think they're going to feel special um, because they'll get some TLC in that whole stretch um, because there's a lot of things that have been going on that's not celebratory. But with the Christmas season and with people being able to come together, I think it will put some unity in the community and a spirit of love, a spirit of hope. Um, there's a lot going on that doesn't resemble hope and unity. But I think this is a way to bring people together, yet keep them separate. Um, we're going to go out there. but We're going to be social distance. We're going to have our masks. We're going to protect ourselves and our neighbors. But just the presence of people being in that environment, doing something productive, I think is going to be amazing. So we are so excited for this opportunity. We, we got a lot of people partnering with us, um, helping us out. Um, we have the backing of our alderman um, who's talking to Streets and Sanitation and CDOT. So like this is going, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this as being something very big that people will be able to enjoy. And as um, Princess said, people will be able to look out of their window and see something beautiful, trees uh, decorated uh, with lights and bowls. And so I'm, I'm just really excited about this. And I'm grateful for Princess just even allowing herself to, to just move forward, even in these times when everything is so unprecedented. This is going to be beautiful. And it's going to be something, um, as you said earlier, Ke Kevin, this is going to be the annual. So this is our first. So we are inaugurating Light Up Londale. Wonderful. Oh, that's beautiful to hear. Uh, so when is going to be the official opening? When are the lights going to go on? So as we as we like start, you know, um, moving down the boulevard, we're going to um, like just have them on as we as we go along. So um, so, you know, like if you saw it in in like a very um, a very fast what's that called? Not time lapse, but maybe time lapse. Um, then it would be like a lighting of the boulevard, <laughs> like over a few weeks of time. Oh, that's great. How many light bulbs and do you have And on the so 19th far? is when... Oh, please go ahead. I was just going to say on the 19th, everything will be lit. So by that time, we will have all the lights in. So you'll see the, the, the big picture, the big bright picture is what you'll see on the 19th. Um, and in terms of how many lights, so, um, so we have had um, like a very hearty debate about colored lights versus white lights. And we have settled on white lights. Um, we think that it'll be a more uniform look. Um, and, and so we plan to, to place the, the bulk order um, this week and be ready to go for next Saturday. That's fantastic. Well, now, where can people go to learn more and help donate? 
Well, they can go to our GoFundMe page. And if you if you just Google GoFundMe Light Up Lawndale, then you'll come up with it. That's probably easier than giving out a link. Um, and yeah, and we had a, a significant contribution from my block, my hood, my city. Um, they've helped us out, and um, but but still, like more more money is needed. So yeah, we would really love love people's support. Well, and we also have a Facebook page as well. We have a Facebook page as well. And that would be the uh, Take, light, yeah. light Up Lawndale on Facebook. Yeah, and there's information there on how to sign up to volunteer. Um, those spots are, are filling quickly because we can only take 10 people at a time, um, but there are still available times to come out and help. So I, you know, I love Old Tape Hats members. Um, we see you all out a lot, um, and I hope to see more of you out too. Well, thank you. And we look forward to uh, celebrating and being together as close as we can. Uh, so I'd like to thank Princess Shaw, Andrew Lee, and Pastor Roshana. Thank you for coming. This was a delight. I'd like to thank all of our guests on this episode of the Radical Kinship Podcast. And information and links to sign up for, to help the Light Up Lawndale are available through their Facebook page at Light Up Lawndale and also in the podcast show notes. As the year 2020 moves into its final months and the holiday season is upon us, it is encouraging to see our neighborhoods coming together to shine a beacon during an otherwise turbulent year. The light of progress and justice will not be hidden under a bushel and will continue to glow brighter the more we work together. May we be reminded of the words of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, Christmas Bells. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the bellfires of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black, a cruised mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if the earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in my despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, for peace on earth, goodwill to men. Thank you for listening to Chicago's Radical Kinship Podcast, broadcasting from Old St. Pat's Church in Chicago's West Loop. This is your host, Kevin Kelly, and I would like to thank all of my guests for joining me on this episode. This podcast was made possible by the support of OSP's parish, staff, and particularly Vince Guider and Kayla Jackson. Thank you for listening.